Hello to all my people, and if you're listening to this podcast, you are most definitely my people. Welcome to another episode of Botch Spots and Chair Shots. We still have high hopes of delivering quality wrestling content, but at worst, we'll deliver mediocre wrestling content, but we'll sprinkle in some conspiracy theories or dad jokes, you know, so we still get over. I'm your host, a chef by trade and a mark by choice. I am the Will Gray, and I'm here with you today on that journey, and today that journey will be why the WWE is down for the count. Now remember, here at Botch Bots and Chair Shots, remember, we're calling into the ring from all the angles. All right, everybody. Today we're going to be deep diving into a few different shows into two different areas of wrestling. I was recently discussing some of this with the boss bitch yourself, Allison Siegel. Allison is here now to discuss some of what we feel like is making wrestling go down for the count. Allison, thanks for coming down from your iron throne and gracing us with your presence behind the mic. How are you? I'm good. Good. Um, Okay, so follow me here. You and I have spent time over the last few weeks or two running some numbers. Tell the listeners exactly what we were doing. So what I was doing was I noticed that there was just tons and tons of promos. So I started timing the matches from bell to bell to see how much actual wrestling there was happening on the shows. I went through SmackDown, I went through Raw, uh, NXT matches, uh, Dynamite, Rampage, and just just to see like how much actual wrestling we're seeing versus, you know, this fluffy promotion. So when you were initially going through and you were timing your matches, were you surprised at all as how little screen time was spent on wrestling matches? Yeah, so what kind of kicked it off was I was watching an episode of SmackDown, and in the first hour, I was like, man, there really hasn't been a whole lot of actual wrestling, so I started it over and started timing, and in the first hour, there was like only eight minutes of actual wrestling. So... Just to to piggyback off of that, so some of the numbers we pulled were from the first week of November in 2021. So, for instance, Raw on that specific Monday night when we tracked it, we saw that Raw had 60 minutes of match time, which equates over a three-hour show to only 33% of total time was wrestling matches. AEW Dynamite, for instance, that week was 48 minutes of actual match times, equating to 40% of its total screen times. So these are the two flagship shows for those respective promotions. What do you think this says for the amount of sports entertainment per episode versus the actual amount of wrestling time on screen? I think that now they are feeding more towards the entertainment aspect you know, trying to do what they can to get people, they think that they need to do to get people invested in the stories and less about the wrestling. Um, I think with the, you know, love of everybody's reality TV, they think that that's what people want to see. They want to see these storylines versus the actual wrestling. So do you feel like with AEW promoting more wrestling matches per minute on screen, Do you feel like they're kind of focusing more on that core aspect of the business versus it being, I guess what I'm saying is it's more wrestling driven versus more sports entertainment driven at AEW. Do you feel like that's the case? I feel like it's more 
more of the case. I think that they have a little bit better balance than what WWE has right now. So definitely still not a ton of like actual matches on the episodes, but it is more balanced. Um, do you think Vince should utilize more main roster on screen time towards putting talent in front of a camera versus promos, video vignettes, ad sponsorships? Like, do you think he should take some of his airtime and put more people on screen, utilize that talent a little bit better? I definitely think he should. You know, we see the same talent every week. You know, there's not a lot of mix up in the matches. They're really focused on like a core group of people. And instead of, you know, giving me the same match week over week, you know, they could cut some of the promo time and, you know, mix in some of the other people on the roster that we don't see a lot. Do you feel like with WWE being a publicly traded company, with them having to answer to stockholders and shareholders versus a privately owned company like AEW, do you think having to appease a board of directors and the USA Network and all the other moving parts, do you feel like Vince is going towards the direction of having more entertainment, more ads and more, you know, comedy slapstick stuff just to appease the masses then? Is that what you're thinking is happening? I think so. I think they're trying to get more viewership. I think they think if there's more drama happening, you know, behind the scenes with the wrestlers themselves, that it's going to draw in, you know, that reality TV crowd that wants to see more of that versus the actual core fan base that want to see the wrestling. So as a, a wrestling fan yourself, when you turn on wrestling, obviously the first thing you want to see are matches. When you watch the promos and stuff, how invested are you into that side of the story then? Um, it depends on who is doing the promo for me, honestly. Like some of the promos from some of the, the newer people, I don't really care about because they're honestly not that great on the mic. Their promos are kind of kitsch um, and not really well done. Um, if I'm watching something delayed, I will fast forward through all the promos. Now, I will watch promos from like Roman and Edge and The New Day and Biggie. Like, I will watch those promos because I know that they're actually going to be good promos. Like, I will listen to Seth Rollins on the mic because he's good on the mic. But like, some of these with some of the newer women, like, um, you know, some of this stuff with Dewdrop and um, Liv, like, they're just not super great on the mic and their storylines aren't great and we rarely see them. So it's like, this promo doesn't really matter. So bringing up some of those female talents that you were just talking about in the women's division, do you feel like this is a good opportunity, so to speak, to help get those specific performers in front of the in front of the hard camera give them a chance to really show something or do you think wwe is kind of missing the mark with its women's division by pushing too fast to the main roster when these ladies aren't ready to perform at that level i think it's a little bit of both you know they bring all these women up to the main roster and then they bury them you know the the women the only women that we ever really see is you know we see charlotte and we see becky 
and we see Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair, but like Liv, we're starting to see more. But some of these other women, we just, we never see them, you know, or we see them once every few weeks. Like they brought Dewdrop in, you know, had that whole terrible thing with Eva Marie. Um, you know, they kind of started that thing with her and Alexis, but then, you know, Alexis is taking time off, but now she just randomly pops up and, you know, is trying to kind of pick fights, but it's not really going anywhere. So I have to ask you a question. I know the answer to this already because you and I talk, uh, what are your opinions on Alexa Bliss? You know, I didn't like her at first. I thought the gimmick was weird but it's definitely grown on me and and her I, I think it has a lot to do with how well she does in her promos how weird that they might be and her ring work is really good like she's super athletic and she does a really good job you know I I am really starting to like her I just wish that they would do something a little more with her gimmick I'm hoping when she comes back it's different I've always said that my worst my biggest complaint about Alexa Bliss is the moment she opens her eyes she breaks kayfabe because mm-hmm. she doesn't take her gimmick seriously outside of the ring so that's my biggest complaint on her so I feel like they need to move her back to a more realistic worker like um the goddess or you know the five feet of fury like that style of alexa because i feel like having her be this super dark demonic like play on wyatt's fiend i feel like all that's doing is just ruining the business because when she wakes up in the morning and you see pictures of her with her pat belly pig sipping her chai latte like this isn't the same evil demonic woman that was throwing light rafters down at randy orton you know at wrestlemania yeah or uh, fast lane, I'm sorry. But yeah, you get my point. Like, I just feel like that. Um, so getting back on track here, do you feel like with AEW showing more screen time devoted to wrestling, both men and women, do you feel like that focus on younger talent and the, the need to promote from within to speak is because they have more ability to manage their screen time without like a major corporation like USA or Fox breathing down their throats for viewers and ratings. Yes, they have the Turner contract, but with Tony Khan being a privatized owner of the company, so to speak, they don't really have quite the same, um, what, what would be the word I'm looking for? They don't have the, quite the same like pressure coming down from the corporate chains to, to get better viewers, to get better stuff. Do you feel like that's the diff- a big difference between the two? Why one has more screen time than, than the other? I think some. I also think it has to do with the fact that, like, they're not as money-hungry as Vince McMahon is. Yes, you know, WWE is publicly traded, but at the end of the day, Vince calls the shots, and he wants the money. So he's more focused on what's going what's going to make him and the shareholders money. And, you know, at AW Tony Khan is focused on having an actual quality product. You know, the actual wrestling fans I'm finding are really liking AEW because it's more of that old school feel that they're used to. It's, you know, it's less, you know shitty gimmicks and you know things have a purpose okay 
Um, I agree for the most part. I feel like with AEW having the independent owner and stuff, they still have to appease to Turner in regards to making sure the show doesn't suck. It's got good ratings. People watch it. But I feel like Turner had more of that WCW vibe anyways from when WCW was there. So they kind of get that that independent feel, that smaller, less production-y, more value-in-the-ring style flow. And I appreciate that from AEW more so than WWE because WWE is like going and watching a Hollywood movie production. And AEW reminds me still some of that low NWA territory style wrestling where you don't fill up 100,000 person arenas. They might only have a 30,000 person show, but every seat in Arthur Ashe is sold out. You know what I mean? Like they're not selling the same size of venues as WWE, but they're consistently selling out every week. Yeah. So moving on to the smaller shows on the respective companies, SmackDown the same week as our previously discussed Raw had a total screen time of only 22 minutes of wrestling. Keeping in mind, that's a two-hour show. Rampage had 38%. So once again, we see the trend of utilizing more screen time from AEW for actual matches versus everything else. Do you think SmackDown, even though it's seen as the better quality product between Raw, do you think they need to push more matches in that with it being almost a quarter of the show only being professional wrestling? I definitely think they do. The problem with SmackDown is now having both Becky, not not Becky, both um, Charlotte and Roman on there, both of them every week do super long promos. We know Roman's going to have 30 minutes to open the show. Almost every week, him and Paul and the Usos come out. They open the show. We've got to acknowledge him, that whole gimmick which I'm growing tired of personally. I feel like for the last year, we've had Roman Reigns stuffed down our throat when there's so many good talent that could be carrying the universal title right now, like a Cesaro, like a Kevin Owens, like a Finn Balor. And I feel like this cheap push to get Roman to break Brock's record is becoming more evident at every day that he keeps this title. All they're doing is trying to make it a point to where he gets to keep the title longer than Brock had it. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, after he does his 30-minute promo, you know, Charlotte then requires her own, like, 20-minute promo where, you know, she has to come out and mean girl everybody. And, you know, so having the two of them together, I think, was a mistake because they have the biggest and longest promos out of anybody. Do you think they can make a better show by promoting more matches and taking back that old mantle as the promotion that focused on the second W? Because a little bit later, we're going to discuss SmackDown in 99. And in 99, SmackDown was definitely after the brand split and they first started to put it out there. SmackDown was seen as the show where the wrestlers wanted to work. It was smaller. It was pre-recorded, so it wasn't live originally. So the guys could go out there and do 20 and 30 minute barn burners and it not be a thing. Do you think SmackDown needs to go back to its roots and go back more towards that direction than where they're at now with only 22% of the show being wrestling? I definitely think it would make it a more quality product. Um, You know, I definitely understand like the promos are needed. You have to be invested in the story to be invested in the characters. But they don't have to be 
as long. You know, they can be shorter, you know, more concise promos to get the point across and give more match time. So moving on, how do you feel about a show like Rampage utilizing 30% of its screen time for matches over a 60-minute show? I mean, I think Rampage is doing a better job. Now, one thing with Rampage versus SmackDown is Rampage isn't always live. So, you know, half the time Rampage is pre-recorded. They record it right after Dynamite on Wednesdays and then air it on Fridays. So there is room for them to edit and do different things during the commercial breaks, um, you know, that they can't do on a live show. So something we didn't take into account while we were doing these times were the screen on screen picture thing, the picture in picture. Um, do you feel like, were, did you count that as match time? Yes. Okay. So you did include that. Okay. I, I wasn't sure if we included Wrestling on the screen, I included it. So as long as wrestling was on the screen, even if it was picture in picture, we still got the time for it. Yes. I feel like a show like Rampage that's only 60 minutes and it's utilizing almost 40% of its show, I feel like that's a good push. I feel like that sweet spot is somewhere between 40 and 45% because you keep in mind, you got to think about commercials. Like there's going to be lots of commercials that has to happen on a, like on a, a mainstream, like full market style, uh, television show like nationwide media you're gonna have to have uh commercials for ads and stuff but then also falling behind that is the video vignettes and the constant like trips down memory lane i feel like raw is notorious for that where raw will always have like vignettes on vignettes on vignettes for things that it's been doing like week over week we constantly get constant reminders and i feel like they utilize so much time for that versus having wrestling matches yeah you know it and before every match it almost seems like it's like oh last week on raw such and such happens and then they go into you know a current promo so it's like you know i don't you're telling me the same story every week i don't need to you know unless it was actual wrestling like i don't need you to tell me like what happened last week by a review of last week's promo. I completely agree. Okay, so now let's hop in our time machine. We're going to go back in time to 1999. Obviously, AEW wasn't a promotion yet, so keep to, to keep kind of an apples-to-apples apples comparison, and I'm sure I'll get destroyed by someone for this, we're going to go with WCW Monday Nitro, Nitro and Thursday, Thursday Thunder as the controls for the other guys. Um, so... Then the WWF shows, uh, Monday Night Raw's War and SmackDown, both had 27% and 23% respectfully. Once again, even showing during the Attitude Era, there was already a shift happening in screen time for matches versus everything else. Um, so as somebody who's just recently became a fan again of professional wrestling, tell me what you saw as you rewatched and possibly watched for the first time some of these old late 90s attitude era WWF matches? So what I noticed is because, you know, you and I talked about, you know, we felt like there was more actual wrestling happening during that time. Um, what I noticed was there were, were technically more actual matches 
but they were super short. Like there were matches that were a minute, 90 seconds, two minutes. So it gave the illusion that you were seeing more wrestling, but still like a ton of promos. I feel like in those times when they were running those short matches, though, you see a lot of stuff now that you don't see. You see a lot of stuff then that you don't see now. Like jobbers aren't really a thing now. You don't see guys constantly on TV going out there to lose matches to help guys get over. You don't really see that quite as often. Everybody on the screen now, I feel like they're trying to make a star. But in the late 90s, that wasn't always the case. You had jobbers in every faction. You know what I mean? Like when DX first got together, the New Age Outlaws were jobbers. They had success as tag teams previously with other guys. But when they came together in DX, they were just kind of the extra tag team to add body to that. And then they became successful as the tag team champions. You got to look at people like Gilbert, the Blue Meanie, Doink the Clown. Like there were so many of these gimmicks in the 90s that were only there for comedy and to get people over as jobbers. And I feel like that's not here now. They think everybody on the screen has to be this like ridiculous superstar. They have to have the production value. There's no like internal growth outside of the Capitol Wrestling Center. Yeah, like everybody now, they want their shot at the title. They want the fame. They want to be, you know, popular. There's not, I think it's more, it's possibly more of an ego thing nowadays versus then you know those guys understood what their role was in the company and that they had to earn their spot you know to be taken seriously now they expect it i feel like i i definitely agree i feel like when somebody makes it to the wwe that's like they're making it to the big time so they automatically assume once they get there they don't have anywhere else to go it's like, I'm a pro wrestler. I'm in the biggest promotion on the planet. I'm the best. And I feel like there's a, a disconnect there because in the 90s and the 80s, and especially in the 70s going further back, guys would work for 10 years, 15 years sometimes before they would get the rub from a veteran and be like, you've made it. Now these guys are showing up, training for six months at the CWC or the, the Performance Center. And then they're going on live TV, having a handful of actual matches under their belt. And then they're on nationwide TV on a Monday night and we're getting force fed to watch mediocre work. Yeah, like the first person that comes to mind with this is Austin Theory. It's like he just all of a sudden appeared and now is on the main roster and is it, he's going to be, you know, on the Survivor Series team like. It, it's weird. Do you think they're pushing Austin Theory too fast? I think so. I I mean, the they let go of so many like other quality talent and they're pushing, you know, this young kid. It's like I I don't get it. Like, you know, he's out there wanting to take, they're using him wanting to like take selfies you know, with his opponents, it's just weird. I feel like they pushed Austin Theory when they have established superstars in NXT that could have came up to the main roster and been equally as good. I'm not a huge Johnny Gargano fan, 
But as over as he is yeah, right, right now, and with them breaking the way up in NXT 2.0 with Candice having the baby, the Indy Hartwell and Dexter Loomis thing, like him and Dexter are doing the tag team things, but everybody knows Gargano's a better pool as a single solo wrestler. So I feel like they could have moved somebody like him, in my opinion, who is more over than Austin Theory and put him in that same position on Raw, but actually have him be a performer and a wrestler than this stupid, cheesy, taking selfies with his heroes gimmick that Austin Theory is doing. I also don't feel like after only being on the main roster for a few short weeks, why this kid is representing Raw on the Survivor Series team. I feel like that's nuts that he's already at that point. Yeah, like they took Dominic Mysterio off and then also took Ray off and then they're adding this kid that nobody cares about. Who took Ray's spot? Bobby Lashley and Austin Theory were both added, correct? Yeah, so Bobby took Dominic's spot and Austin Theory took Ray's spot. Okay, that's what I thought happened. Okay, so for the WCW shows that week, specifically in 1999, moving along, Nitro was a whopping 63% wrestling screen time. It was a huge 75 minutes of a 120-minute show. WCW, even then, was still pushing at their height as the David versus the David who slayed Goliath, Vince McMahon, because they had that historic 83-week run where Nitro beat Raw, and then Thunder that same week, had 40 minutes or 40 total 40 percent total sorry of match time we almost see the same trends then with turner running wcw as we do with cons and turner's AEW. more focus on wrestling and that's keeping in mind wwf became a publicly traded company literally one month prior to this happening in 1999 so, like, this is right at the beginning of them being their own publicly traded company. Yeah. Um, one thing I definitely noticed with the WCW matches, every single match was a minimum of five minutes long. There were tons of matches, and every, every match got at least five minutes. So in early, in the late 90s, when you were watching WCW, you had people, you had Eddie Guerrero, you had Rey Mysterio, you had Hulk Hogan, you had Kevin Nash, you had Dean Malenko, you had um, Chris Benoit was still there. Like you had a ton of WWE Hall of Famers wrestling in WCW in 1999. What was your opinion about having a chance to see some of those classics wrestle having only maybe seen some of their later work after WCW folded and they were on to WWF. Yeah, it was definitely cool seeing, you know, them in that younger part of their careers. You know, I think that had they not been in WCW, they may have gotten, you know, buried. Like some of, you know, like they still do now to talent in WWE, Um, you know, obviously not Hulk Hogan because you know but (laughs) right (laughs) but some of the other guys may have been buried um you know they a lot of them left you know the WWF because they were tired of the shenanigans with Vince and not having creative control you know something that they're still fighting now with their characters you know, they don't own their characters. They get some input about the storylines, but not really. I feel um, like 
somebody like Dean Malenko, for instance, is a perfect example of one of the best technical wrestlers of all time that got moved over to WWF and then just never got the full attention he wanted because he wasn't as big as some of those other guys. Another one's Billy Kidman. Uh, Conan was another guy who was great in WCW, but just never got the same love in WWF. He never got that rub from Vince that he had from Bischoff. Like there were a lot of talent that fell through the cracks during that transition that never really got a solid real chance in WWF. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something that they're still doing something that they struggle with. And I think, you know, whatever they're doing with all of these releases, what is it? They've released a hundred people this year. Yeah, it's somewhere between 100 and 120 people have been released from contracts since January 2020. Yeah, they've released more people this year than Impact has on their roster, their total roster. Well, AEW is the same way. AEW has been, Uh, they're over, I feel like AEW is getting to the point now where they're overfilling their roster. They've got so many active guys, and even with two shows on TV, plus Dark, plus Dark Elevation, like... You're not, there's no way they're getting enough, all of these guys' quality match times. No, I definitely think they're going to start running into the issue that WWE is. It's like, you have all this great talent, but we're never going to see them. You know, like, Punk comes out every week and does his promos, but we may not see him actually wrestling. His record in AEW since he started, I think right now, and I'm sure I'll be corrected if I'm wrong. Since he debuted at the second week of Rampage, um, I think he has only wrestled six matches since. Yeah, I think, I think he's six and I know he's undefeated, and I believe he's only six and zero. Oh, but having been on TV for three months, four months, and having only wrestled six matches, I think that's very Brock Lesnar of him to call himself the best in the world, but not be wrestling week over week. Right. It's kind of the same thing with um, MJF from us constantly. We rarely see him wrestle. Well, we saw this past week, uh, was it Rampage when the MJF and CM Punk went uh, got face-to-face? Or was it Dynamite? It was Dynamite because it was right after the, the pay-per-view, right after Full Gear. Um, because even Tony Schiavone, who I'm not a huge fan of, made a reference to the fact that it's hard for MJF to call himself the best in the world when the man only wrestles six times a year. Yeah. You know, he only wrestles at the four pay-per-views and maybe a couple dynamites throughout the year. Like that's it. He's not really wrestling, but also at the same time, he's got that good old school flare heat for a heel. So I don't feel like he needs to work matches to continue to get the heat because his promos do all the work for him. Plus, he's running a real hill stable. So he's kind of the de facto leader. And he's got guys like Wardlow and FTR and Sean Spears to kind of do his dirty work for him. So in true flair fashion, he doesn't really have to do it because he had Arn and Tully and these guys in the past anyways. So Flair only had to defend his title when Flair wanted to defend his title. And I'm getting that same vibe from MJF is MJF only wrestles when MJF says he wants to wrestle. So, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, Allison, uh, you got any closing thoughts on the overall idea of how wrestling is going down from the count? Well, I guess from the lack of wrestling. Um, I definitely think some adjustments need to be made. 
you know, again, promos are needed. We need that story. But like, I think a change to promos that makes sense would make it a better quality product. I absolutely, I think I agree. I feel like the big thing that we're going to need to do is not necessarily up wrestling time. I feel like by, by just everything that needs to happen, I feel like these shows need to be between 40 and 50% wrestling. I feel like the talent needs the time. The wrestlers need the work. The promos and stuff can still be cut, but we don't need 30 minute long promos with the same two guys in the ring week over week talking about the same things. We don't need the Usos jumping around behind Roman, like trained, you know, jesters, like we get it. They're good. They're the bloodline cut a five minute promo with Heyman, let Heyman be the mouthpiece, but we don't need these 30 minute long promos where you're taking up a third of the show just so Roman can get screen time. Yes. He's the biggest. Yes. He's the champion, but I feel like we're getting force fed this in the process of not really having a chance to watch real wrestling anymore. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for coming by and chatting about some wrestling with me. Um, Enjoy the rest of your day and we'll talk soon. Okay. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Now, as we close another episode of Botch Pots and Share Shots, I'd like to take a second to thank you for listening. Remind you to go to wherever you pick up your favorite podcast, be it Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Look, you have all the options. Make sure you go like, subscribe, unsubscribe, then subscribe again. Leave a comment telling us how great we are or how terrible we sound. Either way, it helps the algorithm and helps us find new listeners. Make sure to go follow at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, pretty much every social media that's out there. We're on it at Botch Spots and Share Shots. Once again, I'm your host, V. Will Gray. Thanks for stopping by and listening, my people.